Brick and Mortar Reporter, Episode 136. Hey there, localists. This is Nick Unsworth of Life on Fire. Welcome you to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. Today's podcast is jam-packed with tips, strategies, and the motivation you need to take your business to the next level. I'm excited about what you'll learn from today's interview. And don't forget that choosing local when you have the opportunity is vital to your community. So now, let me introduce your host, Christy Hostler, with today's interview. Hi there, localists. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. My name is Christy, and I'm your host for today. And I wanted to thank you so much for joining us and for giving us a little bit of your time and kind of us putting our heads together and trying to figure out this whole local business thing. Now, before I get into what we're going to talk about today, I wanted to let you know that this podcast is sponsored by Team Podcast. And Team Podcast is the one-stop shop for all of your podcast support services, whether it's audio editing, whether it's show notes, uh, social media graphics, uh, WordPress development for your website, whatever it is, Team Podcast handles it all in one package for one low monthly price. So it's an easy way to free up your time to just create good content. If you go to teampodcast.com right now, they have introductory pricing in effect. Now, once they reach a certain amount of new subscribers, introductory pricing will go away. So take advantage of it now because it's there and it's a great deal. And if you just tried to get one of the out, uh, outsource one of the tasks right now, it would probably cost you more than the entire monthly fee. So it's a great deal. It's a great product. Go to teampodcast.com if you're needing any support help with your podcast. Now we can get down to business and I wanted to, uh, this is our kind of our Wednesday weekly update and I wanted to uh, give you some updates on what's going on with the pier. Uh, We've kind of now had our second full week of really season so to speak being in effect and with that being said the crowds are starting to come and the people are starting to spend a little bit of money Um, it's been pretty steady Um, I've had nights you know that uh, can fluctuate uh, quite a bit between night to night and the weird thing for me is that I am finding now that the crowds are starting to come and I'm seeing what could happen I'm finding that I'm still needing all of my product lines at this point to get me the money I need to make each night so I still have my coffee I have my pizza I have my ice cream and then I also am using the coffee and doing some frozen uh, and cold coffee drinks as well and so on hot days that's actually a very good thing um, for me to be able to um, provide to people that don't want to drink hot coffee but uh, all of these product lines are contributing and bringing in their revenue oh and I forgot to mention too I still have my cryopop and so I sell uh, some of that every Every single night. So um, each one of these product lines is contributing a channel into the overall revenue that I need for the business. So nothing is so secure with every other product line that I can drop uh, any particular thing right now. I kind of have a feeling that as we head towards summer, whenever it gets summer in Key West, the, um, it, the height of the tourist season starts to die out, but it's really hot 
it's not as hot as it even was in South Carolina. It never hits 100 degrees down here, but it's it's hot for Key West. And so when it gets to 95 and you've got, you know, 100% humidity, it's hot. And that's whenever people want ice cream. And that's one of those things when I probably will be exclusively selling ice cream and the iced coffee drinks because uh, people aren't really going to be interested in hot food at that point in time. So it might be a while before I can drop off anything from my, you know, uh, array of offerings on the food cart and so um, at this point one of the things that I'm doing you know I'm always experimenting and always tweaking and like I've told you before changing my uh, sizes and my pricing points for those sizes was definitely the right thing to do for my business and at this point what I'm also doing is I'm having to tweak some of the um, flavors for my ice cream and I offer I offer a lot of flavors there's a lot of variety there clearly I make the most money and have the highest profit margin whenever people order just plain old vanilla and when uh, you know vanilla is one of the, the probably the most popular flavor of ice cream in the world and so that's my highest profit margin now as I look at things to add in what I look at is ways that I can add one or two different toppings or different um, flavors and then exploit them through four or five different incarnations of that. So this past week I have added cherry um, on to my product offering and you know I I want to kind of get to a point where I'm doing a few more gourmet type flavors and I even want to try I got to try it first um, before I just put it on the food cart. Um, I want to try doing like a, a bacon chocolate ice cream that is it's like vanilla ice cream with um, chunks of chocolate and some bacon as well. And for some reason, I think that would be strange enough that people would want to try it. Um, people that love bacon, they also have found that they, they really like it with chocolate. It's the sa- salty and sweet. It's kind of like the pretzels and the M&Ms or whatever it is you, you eat with your salty and sweet. But um, I want to do a few kind of gourmet flavors. So I've done, I've got some, uh, I did brought, introduce cherry. So I'm doing cherry. I've got chocolate chips. Um, got the very, very tiny mini chocolate chips. I've got um, mint chocolate chips. Um, which are simply the Andes candies that we go in and then we kind of shave and make uh, like a chocolate chunks of it or chocolate shreds, whatever you want to call it. And so we do that. And so I've got now I've got, um, you know, mint chocolate chip. I've got cherry ice cream. I've got people can do cherry chocolate chip. People can do um, mint chocolate chip with vanilla ice cream or mint chocolate chip with chocolate ice cream. And there's just a lot of different flavors that people can have and I like to be able to keep it where they can mix and match it and uh, not get bored and not feel like they're missing out on an experience. So I continue to have lots of customers that haven't seen this type of ice cream be made before and they're very um, wowed by it and that, that's that's a very, very, uh, it, actually it's a flattering thing for me and so I love seeing people that are thrilled with the process and say wow that was quite a show thank you for that you know and so they're they're appreciating the the craft of making the ice cream I am still seeing repeat customers and you do from night to night I've had some people come back the same night and uh, same two nights in a row and order the same thing 
And so they'll come and I, I see a familiar face and I'm like, oh my gosh, you're back. What are you going to have tonight? And you know what? Most of the time it's the same thing they got last time. So um, there are some advantages to treating people well and giving them good customer service the first night because they will come back the next night. And they also feel more comfortable approaching your booth the second night. They know what to do. They know how you are. And so um, it's easier to, to deal with it that way. Now, beyond that, um, that's really the main tweaking and experimenting that I'm doing. One of the things that I wish I had the capability of doing that I don't, and I would love, I would love to be able to figure out how to do this, and I don't really know that I'm, I don't really know that I'm ever going to be able to do this, is that I just like anyone else, you know, when you have a business and you have inventory, part of the reason that you keep track of your inventory is, number one, so that you know when to reorder. Um, but at the same time, by tracking that inventory and see, see, seeing what sells, you can then go back and see and make decisions about your product line. And you can make decisions about what you're uh, wasting your time with and what is not giving you a return on your investment. And you can eliminate that. The problem that I'm having right now is um, because we're in an all-cash environment and because we are in uh, a very, I don't even want to say hand-to-hand type uh, environment because that, that sounds crazy, but it is. It's just, I mean, it's right there. It's, um, there's not... It, there's not a process. In other words, people don't go to the store, my store, and pick out something and then bring it to the register, and we go through that part of it. We, They come tell me what they want. I take their money, and I make it for them. And so one of the things that I'm finding is that I really wish I could track each um, order based on what they're purchasing because that way I could tell what flavors are the most popular. I could tell what flavors I should be able to discontinue. I can tell what I could then look and see what flavors are most profitable um, by breaking down the cost per uh, serving of a certain flavor. And, you know, it's really hard to, you know, it's hard to tell for some, some things, you know, whenever you take a package of something and you chop it up and then you're putting a teaspoon here and a teaspoon there in another larger item uh, as a com- one in- individual component, it's kind of hard to um, determine how much that one teaspoon costs. And so um, clearly anything I do with chocolate um, adds a much higher cost to um, what I'm <laughs> what I'm serving. At the same time, it also takes up cooler space because anything chocolate would melt if I don't have it in uh, a cooler. So it takes up valuable, valuable cooler space for me. And so I really have to weigh those options very, very carefully. But I do know that chocolate chip and mint chocolate chip are two ice creams that are very, very popular. And so um, we'll see if they're popular down on the pier too. There are some that, um, you know, I've also, there are so many things you can play with, so many things you can tweak. I've also found that, you know, I've had maybe had a flavor on the board at uh, my, my cart for a week or something like that and never sold any of that particular flavor. And then something can happen and I end up having to wipe the board clean and put things back on the board. But when I do that, I might not put it in the same order. And would you know that whatever point in time I end up putting something back on the board, um, it might be in a different order. And that particular one that didn't sell all week, suddenly the first three customers are ordering that flavor. And I would say it has something to do with the same type of psychology that grocery stores use. You know, they have the 
um, that magic middle, so to speak, of the aisles where they put everything right in, in at eye level because that's what you see. And then the top and the bottom are the peripheral stuff. So the highest margin things are going to be right there in the middle. And so, you know, I can I can do all these kind of tweaking and all this kind of things. It's just I, I wish I had a better way to collect the data because right now, I could run everything through an iPad and, and use my Square app um, for all my cash sales, but even then I would have to create a product for every possible flavor combination, which at this point there's probably at least 20 particular ones that we could, you know, do, and um, and then people can, but people can change it all. I mean, I get some people that get mango and key lime together, and that wouldn't ever be something I would think that they would want. Um, but it just, you know what I mean? There's so many things that if I was in a different type of environment, I would love to have this data and this information. Because that, that would help guide your business. That would help guide your profit margins. And, and honestly, you know, when you're dealing with a higher volume than I deal with every single night, I mean, I might see 50 customers a night. And if you're dealing, you know, if you're dealing with 500 customers, how much more valuable is squeaking out an extra quarter in profit per, you know, serving? And I'm not to that high volume level yet, but the thing is, I want to make everything as efficient and, and profitable as possible. And so uh, being able to do that, and I hate to hold up the line, and I hate to do, you know, this, that, or the other that would just kind of slow the process down. At the same time, sometimes when I'm making ice cream or making food, I might have um, sticky hands or gloves on that I would then have to stop and either wash or take off before I would even want to use my iPad to, um, you know, document something or put a, a cash sale in. So um, I got to figure out how to do that. And if I had another person on the cart or even standing beside me, um, they could do that while I'm making the food. It's just um, it's just harder to do that. And so maybe in the summer, uh, my spouse and I will experiment with um, us both being down there and one person just keeping keeping the records and keeping the iPad and, and making change and keeping the money and the other person just producing the, the product and that sort of thing because that might be a worthwhile investment of my time to at least track during the busiest parts of the season and the year for me, which will be the summer, is to find out what really sells and what doesn't. And then that way I can continue to pare down because the other part is you give people too many options and then they get confused and they get overwhelmed as well. And so it's like I don't want to slug a bunch, you know, drink, drag a bunch of stuff down to the pier that is not going to sell and that is not going to make me any money. And so uh, keeping an eye on that would be uh, ideal. One of the things that I have been doing that I am so glad that I did is is every day when I come in and I uh, update my spreadsheet and essentially what I'm doing is it will be the same as counting a, a cash drawer you know you count it you know what's in it before you send it out to the floor and then once you take the drawer you, you count what you have there and the difference is what you made and I've always been keeping up with that on the uh, on a spreadsheet but I've just recently started using FreshBooks in fact I'm still in my 30-day trial but that will probably end very very soon and I love now that I track not just my uh, revenue, I'm also tracking my expenses. And so I enter those expenses every single day, and then I file my receipt. And I can actually take a picture and upload it into FreshBooks, and this is not a commercial for FreshBooks, but if you're needing something that's quick and easy to set up, um, I'll be honest, I had QuickBooks before, 
And I felt like I kind of ran in circles with it because I didn't exactly know how to set it up because it was a little more convoluted. Um, but FreshBooks was easy enough to use, and it was simple um, to get started and get everything on. And see, that's the thing. Now that I'm in almost 30 days in, well, I actually have 41 days worth of receipts. So um, it, it logged into FreshBooks. And so what will happen is when I get that much data built up, you really think I'm going to come to the end of my 30-day trial and be like, nope, I don't want this anymore? Of course I want that. That's all my data. I took time to put it in there. And so um, but one of the things I love is that on your reports, you can look at your expenses. And you can look at, at the, you know, they break it down by category. And so at this point, I can tell you, so far this year, I've spent X amount of dollars on ice. Or so far this year, I've spent X amount of dollars on gas. Or so far this year, I've spent... X amount of dollars on rent going to the organization that rents out the space down at Mallory Square. And so I love being able to see that because it gives you a better picture of what your big expenses are, and it gives you a better picture of where your money is going when it's going out the door. So I love that I'm doing that, and that's one thing I'm going to keep doing. I just wish I had more uh, ways to keep the data for the cash sales that I'm doing down to the flavor level. And uh, probably what I will do is continue refining those flavors. I'm experimenting right now um, to see what makes uh, most sense and what sticks. And the fruity type flavors are the least expensive for me. And the ones that have chocolate are the most expensive. I haven't added nuts into the mix yet. Um, I'm a little bit concerned about doing that because I don't want to eliminate anyone that would have a nut allergy. At the same time, nuts are another cost. And I do have, um, you know, uh, cost consciousness in, in mind with all the flavors that I'm adding. And I just don't want to have one more thing to go down there and not be used. So that's kind of where I am with that. And I'm, like I say, still experimenting with flavors and trying to eliminate the ones that are not selling. But it's weird. You can, every day is different. You know, I can sell, you know, eight peach ice creams today and none tomorrow, but a, a mango goes crazy tomorrow and mango sells eight or 10 tomorrow. So it's just kind of strange how it works like that. But um, it's a good, it's a good experience to be able to see all these places that if I could collect the data, then I can make better decisions about my profit margin and my business. And not just that, but effectively using my space. Because when I'm in a confined amount of space, you know, I don't want to have to just keep bringing random coolers and piling stuff on the food cart, dragging it down to Mallory just to bring it home again. So um, you begin to look at everything when you have kind of tight quarters. So I will continue to tweak um, my products and and that sort of thing based on what what's selling and what isn't. And um, at this point, um, I'm selling a good deal of pizza every single night. I mean, I would say every single night I'm selling 50 or more dollars worth of pizza just from that one revenue stream. And it's hard to discontinue something like that whenever it's actually being you know, being that productive for you. I mean, there were nights uh, when I was experimenting with products when I would have loved to have made $50 from just one product. Um, but again, it tells me with my product offerings that I don't have one yet that can sustain me through the entire um, night and give me all the revenue that I need. But a combination of these just keep adding to the total revenue for the night. Now, one of the things that I'm always constantly surprised by is that I might think, I'm done for the night, I'm not selling any more pizza, or I'm not selling any more coffee, and all of a sudden, 
I have somebody come up and they order two or three or four or five or six slices of pizza and boom, uh, all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're, you had pizza you thought were, were going to be going to waste and now it's sold and it's gone. So it definitely, um, there's an art as well to figuring out I can essentially make one pizza at a time and I can uh, make it and sell it and keep it there. I try to keep it at a constant uh, temperature while I'm kind of in the holding phase so it doesn't dry out and doesn't get overcooked, but it's still warm and and that sort of thing. And so I'm constantly experimenting with that and trying to get the timing right because if someone has to wait for me to get something ready, then many times I lose that sale. And so I need it right there ready to go, even if that means I have... Uh, a little bit left over at the end of the night, and I've been pretty good to be able to manage that as well. So that's another thing I'm tweaking. But here's the thing. When you have a business, you really want to be looking for these areas. And it's like once you get one ball in the air and it kind of seems to be staying in the air, like maybe your, your problem is employees. And you finally hire somebody that you've trained and they seem to be doing well and they seem to be getting it. So now what are you going on to continue to improve about your business what is the next thing okay now you've got that that employee doing this so what are you going to do next and so for me I, I love that constant figuring out what's the next thing what's the next um thing that's going to shave some overhead off my cost what's the next thing that's going to increase my profit margin and I love doing that and it's funny because um a while ago I had gotten some feedback that people um, I should keep some decaf coffee on my food cart. I thought, I don't want to take up a thermos of decaf coffee and bring it home every night and dump it out. And so I essentially keep it there and I just make it on demand. And most of the time, people that want decaf coffee, if I tell them that I'm, I can make it for them, I can brew it fresh for them, they will stand there and wait for it. And so I am now to the point where I am out of my first batch of decaf coffee that I bought and so I need to restock because at this point every single night I've been selling some decaf coffee so it also tells you I think there's a a little bit of an older crowd in town um, because most younger people aren't terribly concerned about decaf or caffeinated they don't really care and so it's the older people who want to keep their caffeine levels low so they can sleep at night and so I am selling some of that every single night so I appreciate that um that I can keep that kind of on my cart and use it whenever I need to. But at the same time, people are taking advantage of it. I always also keep tea. And uh, I find that when we have a lot of Asian visitors, in the, for whatever reason, in the time of year, we have a lot of Asian and Indian and, and uh, from kind of from that part of the world, they love tea. And so I will definitely keep tea on the cart for them. Um, during that time so I can sell it to them because they're not so big on coffee but if you have a hot tea they will love doing that so I can sell that during that time as well so these are things to always be thinking about always tweaking and I, I love that part of being my own boss is that I can set the standard and do uh what I feel like is best for the business I think this is the longest stretch I've gone without having to redo any signage for my business. And I do have a separate sign that I put on my cart uh, for signage whenever I'm out doing festivals and fairs and that sort of thing because my product line is just ice cream at that point. But I'm proud to say it's been, you know, I have not yet bought a sign 
this year in 2015. So that's good because uh, for a while there, it seemed like I was getting a new signage every single week. And so I'm, I'm glad we're past that point. So it looks like we're in for the ride uh, of season. We are getting more and more vendors down on the pier. There were nine food vendors there last night, which is the most we've had in a while. And we will continue to um, be busting at the seams, so to speak. And uh, I continue to uh, luckily, again, be thankful that I have worked out all my products prior to now and that I can just, uh, at this point, just fine-tune things. So glad to be at that point. So let me remind you again before we leave that this podcast, it's sponsored by Team Podcast. And if you need any podcast support services, you will probably find it cheaper to get one of their all-inclusive packages that include every possible thing you can need for one low price rather than outsourcing each individual uh, aspect of your podcast. The thing is, it makes you deal with one account manager and one person and you don't have to manage eight people and train eight people and show them what you want them to do. So it's a great, great tool. Go to teampodcast.com and check it out. And thanks again for joining me on this journey and for uh, being interested in the updates and being interested in what's going on. I love uh, business and I love being able to earn my living this way and being able to uh, continually tweak things and then see the results immediately from that. And so uh, it's a great journey and uh, one that I hope if you have a desire to take that you can also take. So thanks for joining me. You guys have a good day. All right. Thank you for listening to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. I'm Nick Unsworth of Life on Fire, reminding you that building your business happens step by step. Whether you're just starting or growing your business, use what you heard in this interview today to build a strong foundation for your business. Make sure you don't miss a single episode by subscribing to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast in iTunes. And remember, when you have the choice, choose local. 